is this? It's two queers slashing through an iconic horror franchise. I'm JD. I'm Meg. And we're We're screaming screaming in in Woodsboro. Did it work? I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) But we're here. We can't deny that. We could deny it. We, yeah, we, we, yeah, we're definitely screaming in Wordsboro. Uh, we're we're we are screaming in Wordsboro in 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 heart and soul. Absolutely. So, uh, Meg, we're finally here. We're doing this. We are. And the great thing is, I headed up on Paramount the day before. I think tomorrow is the last day. Uh, that it will be on there. I mean, like, realistically, I own the DVDs, but then I would have had to get up and put in the DVD. So, you know, yeah, great time. Physical media is always best. And you know what? Y'all y'all can just, you know, look, y'all are dedicating to this pod. Y- if y'all are, like, listening to this episode, y'all are, like, already dedicated to this podcast, y'all are y'all are in, in, in the Scream family that we have, that we're creating now. So, like, just, <laughs> just go and get those Blu-rays. And you'll and you'll and you'll be so happy. I agree, but as someone who has moved so many times, I get it. If you can't, I get it. It's totally cool. No, it's actually not. Physical media is superior, and therefore you must get it. And it doesn't matter how many times you move; you will always be happy for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if someone who's moved a thousand <laughs> miles twice, I'm gonna say no. That's going to be a nope okay. for me. <laughs> uh, continuing on. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. We are here so the, to talk about the 1996 the jo- Scream movie. Yes. One of the gayest slasher movies ever. It helps to be written by a gay man. 100% a movie that said, I would rather kill my girlfriend than go to therapy <laughs> to deal with my homosexuality. And date my boyfriend. Yep. Spoilers. <laughs> right, at the, right at the top of the episode. Shit. Spoilers. Movie, okay, to be fair, I know we just talked about this and I'm terrible. I am so bad at doing this. But to be fair, this movie is like 26 years old. Yeah, this movie, we, we you did just say this movie came out in 1996. Yes. So How it feels... JD, what year were you born? I am. I was born two years after this movie. Oh came out. my god! Okay, okay. I can process this. <laughs> I was born. Hold no, on. in fact, okay. I was. No, here's fair. the thing. I was born. In, that that means I, not only that I was born into a world in which not just Scream was out, but also Scream Two was out. That's I fair. was born four months after Scream Two came out. I'm just processing the fact that you were ten years younger than me, and you're no less hotter than I am. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, okay. We are, yeah. You know, you know that you, you know, like how on TikTok the the Austin Power sound of like, who are you? I'm Tim. You ten minutes from now. Wow, you're sexy. Hey, so are you. That's us right now. <laughs> That's fair. We're sexy bitches. <laughs> That's us right now. <laughs> so yeah, today we're talking the 1996 film Scream, directed by Wes Craven. An absolute icon, and written by Kevin Williamson, another absolute icon from a completely different generation. Agreed. Agreed. So, when did you first see Scream 1? Ooh, the first time I saw Scream, this had to... Ooh, gosh. 
I don't remember exactly. I know I saw it at one point when it was on Netflix, and this was early on in the days of Netflix streaming, so this had to have been over 10 years ago at this point. That's fair. Well over 10 years. Okay. So I I remember watching it on my laptop in my bedroom over 10 years ago. And what's interesting is this was also around the time that horror... I was still, like, getting into horror movies. So in order to not be too scared by them but still enjoy them... I would read the synop- the Wikipedia synopsis of the movie so that I knew what was going to happen and I wasn't, like, too terribly freaked out. So, I knew what happened going into this movie before I watched it. Sweet. Which, looking back on I was like, this is- that was actually a terrible thing to do because that ruined yeah, it, the- Yeah, it does. There's it, a lot of just nuance in this. Yes, and and uh, also uh, a plus if you get those nice Blu-rays. Uh, there's a really great commentary track from Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson, <laughs> that in, in which they talk a lot about about all the choice, a lot of the choices that they made in trying to make make it seem like everybody was the killer. Yeah, that's fair. This is uh, one of the most well-known franchises for like keeping the killers under wraps. Well-known for having multiple endings filmed, multiple scripts out there, because I do believe it was two that got leaked. Yeah, two got leaked, like, I think a month after they, not even a month after they started filming. Yeah. The script, or not even, actually, I think it was even earlier than that. I think it might have been like a month into pre-production. The script got leaked and they were like, because the internet was becoming a thing by that point. And so they're like, shit. So they started writing multiple scripts and had different killers all the time. But what's so interesting here is is because Scream was just yet another scary movie coming out in the mid-90s. They, you know, they, like, no one gave a shit. The internet, did, the, the burgeoning internet did not give a shit. Which is hard to believe because, I mean, at least my corners of the internet, it's fairly well known. I, like, my best friend likes to just give me so much shit because, like, I pre-ordered Scream 4. And he was like, you really thought it would sell out? And I was like, absolutely, I did. <laughs> and did it, though? No, of course it did not. Like, yeah, it was Scream 4. It's Scream 4, a movie. Look, here's the thing. When we get to our Scream 4 episode, you're going to you're going to find out how much we fucking love Scream 4. I love Scream but 4. Like, I love all of the screams. Yeah, I I did tweet this out. I did tweet out um by the time you you listen you're listening to this listeners, uh I th- this tweet is probably like 3 months old, but I did say every scream thing is good. Everything. Yeah. There is not a bad scream thing. This is true. So, unlike you, uh, it has been two decades since the first time I saw this movie. Um, I actually saw Scream 3 first, uh, and then ended up uh, going and renting the first and second. It was like, we had rented a bunch of horror movies um over the weekend at my dad's and we all loved Scream 3 so we went and got Scream 1 and 2 so I ended up watching 1 through 3 in a weird order but all in one weekend this this is it's so funny because this this exact same thing happened to me with the Blade trilogy in that I saw Blade Trinity on TV first I saw the TV edit of Blade Trinity and was equally terrified and intrigued by it that when 
uh, my mom and I got back home from the friend's house that we were at, I hounded her about taking me to Hollywood Video to buy a used DVD of Blade, and then and then like scrounging around to other other places to find a used DVD of Blade Two. Nice. Um, keep in mind, I was like seven. <laughs> That's fair. Begging my mom, I want to see Blade. I want to see Wesley Snipes fuck up some motherfuckers at seven years old. <laughs> so I, I, I think now's a good time for us to to dive into uh, like a like a, like a quick little overview of the movie and 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 do our uh, recurring character check in. Yeah. So this is the first time we're going to introduce them. So let's start with our scream queen, Sydney Prescott. Where is she at the beginning of this movie? Well, uh, we find out she is uh, currently still mourning the brutal murder of her mother that occurred a year prior. She was a we, we find out she was a star she was like the star witness uh, that put the killer Cotton Weary away and is uh, serving. I, I don't remember. I believe he's either serving a life sentence or he's serving a life sentence on death row. I can't remember which. He's on which death row because he's supposed to be gassed. That's right. Yes, that is right. So she has that. Uh, so due to all of that, she's also having intimacy problems with her boyfriend, Billy. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Her bubble butt boyfriend, Billy. Uh, and uh, but she's got but she's got her. Uh, her best friend Tatum, Tatum Riley, like perfect best friend material. Oh yeah, and to be fair, Sydney is like seventeen, I think, in the first film. I, I believe she's like a junior, so not an adult, still in high school. Yeah, <laughs> dealing with you know her brutally mothered mother, who brutally murdered mother, and a pretty absent father from the looks of it. But still overprotective. Yeah. It's a weird relationship that never quite gets. Into yeah, he's he's an, an he's an interesting dad that we that like we don't touch upon too much in the franchise at all. Yeah. But you're yeah the the like absent yet overprotective is is, is a perfect description for him. Yeah. Our next. Speaking of Tatum, her best friend. Our next main three character is deputy deputy sheriff dewey riley and i cannot remember what dewey is short for let me see if i can look it up really dwight dwight it's dwight awful name i'm so sorry dewey but it is wait dewey is awful or dwight is awful? Dwight. i don't like that name there is only one there's only one person that 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 like wears the name dwight well and that is dwight yoakum because he has the last name Yoakum. Okay, fair. Fair. So Dewey is 25. He is... Yep, that is established. The newer sheriff, deputy sheriff, um, which seems like a bullshit title, even though it's got sheriff in it. I actually used to know these ranks for another reason, and yeah, I couldn't tell you why. But he is low man on the totem pole. Uh, he has to constantly remind everyone that when he's wearing his badge, you have to treat him with respect. <laughs> you know, quite often, I was gonna say underscored. That is not <laughs> what I was thinking. Unassuming, I guess, everybody just kind of assumes he's really kind of derpy. And to be fair, I mean, he he's he's a himbo. 
he's, he gets there. He tries. He's like edging from himbo. Like like if you if you look if you think of think of it as a cir- as think of it as a circle, and you've got himbos and nice guys and assholes and like the each or, 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 or like himbo is the center of the circle and then you've got uh nice guys dumb guys and, a- and assholes are like around him and in each of them have the aspects of a himbo you, it, which is strong nice and dumb so like each one like each of them like have like a like 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 aspects of it so like think and, and like uh the the way i think of it is like uh, di- like specifically like Disney Disney characters. Sure. So like you you have um what's his face from from Frozen? Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. Blondie. Holy uh, crap. Kristoff. Kristoff. Thank you. Kristoff is he's the nice guy. He's he you know he's not dumb, but he is nice and he's strong. You've got the the mouse from the re- from the rescuers. I can't remember. I think his name is Jacques. I want to say Jacques. That's not right, but but we're gonna go with it for this for the time being. <laughs> he's he's nice and he's dumb, but he's just not strong. You've got uh, Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. He's strong and he's smart, but he's not. Or he's uh, he's strong and he's dumb, but he's not nice at all. He's just yeah, a straight up I was about asshole. To say he's not very smart. Then but then you've got Kronk. Oh yeah, no Kronk's the and, best. Kronk is a himbo. Oh, he yeah. he is smart. He is dumb. He is strong, and he's as nice as he's as nice as it can be. And that is Dewey. Dewey yeah. is Kronk. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's just an absolute sweetheart. He's given a lot of shit by his younger sister Tatum, who is Sydney's best friend. We did not say um, Sydney Prescott is played by Nev Campbell. Nope, that's not right. Yeah, you're right. Nope, Nev, Nev Campbell. Campbell. Sorry. And Dewey is played by David Arquette. Yes, and uh, since we already mentioned the characters, go, we'll go ahead and mention Billy is played by Skeet Ulrich. Yep. And Tatum is Rose McGowan. Yeah. Um, the awesome Rose McGowan. Yeah. Uh, Dewey is also still living at home with his mother. Yes, who also happens to be played by the actor who played the mom in both Gremlins and Footloose. Nice. Nice. Let's check in with our third main character. Gail Weathers. <sighs> Did her parents hate her? Like, in my <laughs> mind, Gail is, like, either the oldest daughter, like, the first child, and is, like, trying to live up to all of her parents' expectations. Is that too much? Is that giving her too much? That might be giving her too much. <laughs> Especially at this point in her career, yes. That's fair. So, um... Again, she's definitely... She, she's, she definitely gives off... I would actually argue she either gives off, uh youngest child uh specifically like youngest daughter or she gives off middle or middle child energy as well where it's like the oldest like went off and did some like life-changing thing and the youngest child is like still in high school but is like doing super well in high school in multiple in multiple areas and she and it's like and i'm a tabloid journalist Yeah, no, definitely can understand that. There's there is a strive to be the best to prove something for some yes. reason. Uh, she is one thing going. One thing going for Gail is she's played by Courtney Cox. She is played by Courtney Cox. Uh, she is 32 at the start of the film. Uh, she is a reporter. She wrote the book on Maureen Prescott's death. Uh, Maureen Prescott, again, being Sydney's mom, and primarily talking about how Cotton Weary is innocent. 
She's uh kind of feels like she's a big fish in a small pond. Definitely. I feel like she also kind of sees herself as wanting to be the next Anne Rule. Fair. And she feels like the Woodsboro Murders is going to be her, like, Stranger Beside Me or Small Sacrifices. It's going to be the thing that, like, takes her to new heights. But she gets in her own way and that she is constantly selfish. Oh, yeah. When it comes to, when it, when it comes to people who aren't actively aiding in her rise to success. Absolutely. We actually don't know where she's from in the first because she's like coming to town. Yeah. So. I, I, honestly, I have to ask, do like do we ever actually find out where she's actually from? Like, I, I know she she moves a lot throughout the franchise. Yeah. I don't think we know in, in the first one. Like, I know at some point she lives we'll in find New York. Out. So. Well, yeah, she lives in New York at a certain point. She also lives in like, she also goes to France for a while. Sounds uh, right. Yeah, so honestly, who can say at this point? We she she honestly does give off some like because cause, uh so Woodsboro is in California. Yes. Not sure exactly. I I I'm going to assume it's like Northern California. That makes well. Let me think. Or or maybe maybe Southern California. Like I don't know. Like I just so my perspective of California is like I just went to about two hours north of. Sacramento, which to me is what middle California. Yeah. So like two hours north to me feels like it should be north. It probably is a California's fucking large. It was a hundred and something degrees. It was so hot. Like I ended up dehydrating myself accidentally, waiting to get a rental car. So like, welcome to my world. I'm in Texas. <laughs> but yeah, but Texas is not a dry heat. I can deal with like a like a like living in a sauna. I've done that. That's fine. sure. Let's see here. Woodsboro. So yeah, it looks like it was filmed originally in Northern California. Yeah. I know oh. they uh they filmed as they filmed a lot of it in Santa Rosa and specifically like like all the scenes at the high school were filmed at the Santa Rosa High School. Fair. I don't know if it's actually called the Santa Rosa High School. I just know it's the high school in Santa Rosa. Um, because uh, they talk about how, like, what Wes and Kevin talked about how the the Santa Rosa school board was it what like did not really like having the cr- the film crew there because they have they were having teenagers like talk about murder on yeah. school grounds and then like they have a school principal who is calling students little shit like little shits yeah, and like. Like, vaguely threat, like, not so vaguely threatening students, like, unruly students with a pair of scissors. So, like, they, they, like, he got, like, they were not totally on board, but they're, it's like, but Craven and Williamson were like, yeah, but, like, all the students want us to be here, and also, like, all the local businesses want us here, all the resident, all the citizens are, like, signing a petition for us to keep filming here, so we're gonna, we're gonna stay. Yeah. Yeah. Should we start... With the actual movie? Yeah, let's start with the actual movie. When we start off with none other than motherfucking Drew Barrymore (laughs) as Casey Becker in a blonde bob and white sweater that would make the white that would make uh, Chris Evans's sweater from Knives Out sweat. (laughs) It is incredible. It it is fantastic. It it is the type of sweater that like the sleeves are just a bit too long and they like go up to like the middle of your thumb and write it to your knuckles. It's perfect. (laughs) And this, this, the opening of this movie is just the, is is 
something I love that like Craven did with this was like Kevin Williamson like had had the script that was that that he had that originally was called Scary Movie and it was heavily inspired by his love for Halloween and Prom Night and Friday the Thirteenth specifically the, the the sixth Friday Jason Lives and like he took his love for all those slashers and then compiled them into a new updated slasher that was like what if teenagers like knew like what if there was a slasher but like all the teenagers that the slasher was killing like knew about all the, the all the all the scary movies and 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 like what like what would that look like and wrote it based off of that and then getting craven in who is one of the directors to like usher in the era of the like era of slashers with a nightmare on elm street having him come in he has a very different style than a lot of other directors who would make slashers that were inspired by this movie because he like his inspirations are like ingmar Ber- or like you know, like like european new wave directors like ingmar bergman and and francois <laughs> truffaut and other other european names that i can mention that people are going to be like who the fuck are you talking about i'm like i know i watch movies i watch i watch movies i'm sorry <laughs> i know and i know i watch movies and i know names fair the jd martin story uh but he's also like really like i like watching this i i, I see the uh the the italian giallo in, inspired like inspiration from from him like Mar- like mario baba movies like blood and black lace is is great and like a bay of blood stuff like that like it feel like everything is like heightened melodrama all the time and the and like the music adds to that and at the same time it's like So he's directing with that style, and yet this is a scene in which a teenager is getting scary, like, like, uh, escalatingly scary phone calls while making popcorn to watch a movie. I mean, it is hard to find fault with this first, this opening scene. It sets a tone that don't run through with the intro being the more famous people of the new people uh you've got drew barrymore who was probably the biggest name outside of uh who played the principal i'm totally drawing a blank oh uh henry henry winkler right the Fonz. right who they didn't credit for that reason but yeah it, it's hard to find fault with with any of it i mean <clears throat> that you've got the classic popcorn you you've got a time period where people would answer the phone, you know, you don't answer for numbers you don't recognize nowadays. Oh, absolutely not. I see a number that I, 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 I don't know. I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know who that is. I don't give a shit. I yeah. don't give, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't care if you're like my uncle that I just forgot to save the, I got to forgot to save your name in my phone. I'm not answering it. Sure. I mean, even the people that are in my phone, I don't always answer. <laughs> um, and it's just the isolation Fair. of the house the 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 amount of callback the you know this was a time period where you could daydream about someone calling you and them being the love of your life you know that's how you met your soulmate or you could die a really bloody death and Drew yeah Barrymore i do love is a name that everybody lo- knew yeah, like they're doing like the classic psycho thing, uh, except you know, you're instead of do, you know killing her off halfway through the movie, it's like no, we're killing her off within the first fifteen minutes of yeah. the movie, and having the popcorn there, like like in the like the the, the the stove popcorn, like having it keep expanding as like a ticking time bomb. Oh yeah, until it's until like soon she is like running through the house, with, like about to grab a knife, and the thing is on fire. When they, like that's the moment we were like, holy shit, that like this is at its 
peak and then it keeps going further yeah from there because like her death scene like as many times as i've watched this movie and trust me i've seen this movie a fuck ton as as have you <laughs> like her death scene still gets to me it oh, is yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and like like just the the way it is not only the way it's shot and edited but the sound design is excruciatingly painful to listen to oh yeah and it's just the whole multiple line or multiple phones for one line and just being able to pick up and talk to someone else on another line. I mean, you could do that with products nowadays, but, it, you know, it was just a phone and to hear your daughter die while listening in. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. And we and like we get we get to that we get to that those heightened, terrifying emotions. And the way we get there is we have these playful back and forths between like see like you know one person we know to be a teenager and the one person we kind of assume to be a teenager from like the way that they're like talking playfully with this person because like like you said like you know they're like there the, used to be that that time when there was like the daydreams of picking up the phone and you meet and you meet like someone who like I like either would be your best friend or you'd be the one you'd fall in love with <laughs> and and that's kind of how how Casey is looking at this and like at like even though like the first two call like by the time the third call comes in it's kind of annoying but that's the one where she keeps talking to the person because he picks up on something and wants to and wants to engage with it yeah. and want and 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 wants to engage and wants to engage her and until we get that turn right there where he says i want to know who i'm looking at yeah which is so creepy so creepy it's such and it's such it's such a great line coupled with camera movement uh care like character uh, actor movement music and music cue all of it coming together when in this one moment of and with her just like turning going what did you say and like like saying exactly what the audience is saying right back to us and like this scene is just so impacted into my memory that like my because i was 12 13 at the oldest when i saw this and my dad owned I think two acres with like a pretty open backyard. My mother has a fairly like window heavy uh, into the backyard. I am still terrified of that. Who's watching? Who am I looking at? No, 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 no. no, Yes. Oh, I I have a, I actually have a specific memory of, I, I had to have been, I want to say like 17, I think at at the time of this story. I was what, have you seen the movie Sinister? Yes. Okay, I was watching Sinister by myself at my grandmother's house, and at the time, this house had went like like Casey's house had windows everywhere. Like like where the where the room was situ- where the where I was situated in the house, it had kind of an open floor between like the like right behind the couch in the living room. There was the kitchen. And mm-hmm. It was like it was like a bar for the kitchen and. So to the right of me, there were these big, tall double doors with giant windows in the doors. And there were three sets of them. So I had six windows right there. Like le- like looking out into like the like the small little courtyard that had been that had been, that was there, and then to the left of me there were about five windows. So I had windows everywhere. I could see everything going on, and it was at night, and I'm watching a terrifying fucking movie about a demon, and I'm like, yep. yeah, no, I'm closing all the blinds, I'm pulling <laughs> all the curtains, and I'm putting on a comedy because I can't do this right now. I don't have the spoons for this. Nope, that's totally fair. 
So the killer starts asking her horror questions, you know, leading up to who is the killer on Friday the 13th, which is the first one she gets wrong. She says it's Jason Voorhees, which, spoiler, it's not. It's Jason's mother, which I still haven't seen the original Friday the 13th. So cool. Uh, Fun fact, that was the first horror movie I ever saw. Nice. The caller tells Casey she's got a bonus question, but Steve, unfortunately, will not make it to the next round. And he is brutally murdered in her backyard. Straight up gutted. Yeah. Intestines are out onto the ground. Now, do we want to guess which killer that was? So... It was stated by, uh, later, later, in a later scene, Tatum does say that Stu was with her at night. I mean, they both were outside. So, I'm honestly going to say, I think this was all Billy. Interesting. I don't think Billy could have taken down a football player by himself. Gotta be honest. Well, okay, 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 my bad. Both, like, like, getting him, I think it was both of them. But I think at the house, once he's tied up. Because I think what they probably did, because, like, I, I, like, we know that, like, before, like, he wasn't on the back patio the entire time. They did eventually move him out there. I think he was, like, knocked out, already tied up to a chair, and they, and then he was just dragged out onto the patio when he was ready for her to look outside. I, am I think Billy's strong enough to, dra- to, like, drag enough dead weight in a chair. I don't know. Have you ever tried to carry dead weight? Um, so... I, multiple sources are saying that uh, Steve was killed by Stu. Well, I think those multiple sources are wrong. But you know what? <laughs> Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Let's see why. Unless Tatum lied, which I don't know why Tatum would lie. Well, to be fair, so let's see. It is past 10 p.m. Yeah, Tatum did mention that that, that it was pa- that they they died after 10 p.m. Right. You know, I don't know. Let's see if it says on here. This does not say why they say think it's Stu. Unless Stu at some point says it. I don't know. No, I mean, they, they I, I think the, the reason why some people would, would say it's Stu is because Stu used to date Casey. And like, that mean, was the yeah. reason why she, why she was killed. You, you did bring, mention that beautiful letterboxed review for Scream of, you know, like, we, we all know why they actually just decided to kill their girlfriends. <laughs> Oh, I mean, like, there's a lot of people that do therapy because of other people who should have dealt with their own therapy. And poor Sydney Prescott deals with a lot of therapy because of a lot of people who should have fucking had mm-hmm. therapy. Yeah, I, I I like to think that, like to think, I don't really want to think about this, but I, I think about this. Uh, I, I think it was probably Billy who, who killed her for Stu because he wanted, he wanted to, like, expel, like, the first woman in his life. Wait, repeat or at that? Least, like, Sorry. Like, so, like, because, so, like, like so, so, Stu definitely could have been there and killed her and, like, he could have, like, slipped away from Tatum. I like to think that it was actually Billy who killed, Billy who killed her and that billy was killing her for stew uh from what i understand from what i understand bill billy killed casey stew killed steve i still say billy because i think only billy was there for the first one for that one i don't think it's possible the amount that 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 there's a movement in that scene for it to be one person so if we're saying that both of them are there then then okay then then never mind. If we're saying that that both of them were there, then Billy killed Steve and Stu killed Casey. 
Why do you think it's that way? Sorry, I had to think about that. Well, I did like my idea of of Billy killing Casey for Stu. However, it it does ultimately like make more sense for Stu to kill Casey, being that they used that uh, they used to date. Like she was someone who was in his life previously, so he is cutting her out. And Bill and I feel like Billy is just like Steve. Steve is just is just a part of the game that they're playing. So Billy is just get is like is just taking him out as part of the game. The game between Casey and I, well, I, I, like in the overall game. I see. I don't know. As I in, just... like he, like he, he's just another, he's just another body on the pile. The way that Stu reacts to how Randy being like she dubbed you or something like that, and he is so quick to be like to get off of that. I don't know. Or it could have been the other way around. I, th- I, th- the, the, the thing is, like, I think that like either, ce- like either scenario works. Like, yeah, like, there, you're Stu- right. like, Stu- like Stu could have been the one to kill Steve because Steve is the one to date Casey now, and he's pissed about that. Um, but it does, but also that doesn't quite make sense if we're also going with the idea that Stu is in love with Billy. Because so then, like, why would Stu care about Steve? I mean, pride. I don't know if sure Billy and you are ready to admit like the the murder is the very symbolic homosexual action here for them the actual stabbing if that makes sense yeah so casey i yeah, so I, I i think at the end i think to kind of cut this one off i think honestly like i think we can agree both of them are there but either one could have killed either yeah. casey or steve it, so, it could have been either one casey and steve are dead and the next day, there's, like, a media circus outside. Yes. Um, there, I, I mean, realistically. Oh, wait, no. Even before that happens, um, we cut to uh, Sydney, the first appearance. Yeah, um, we literally cut from, K- like, K- like, Casey's mangled dead body hanging on a, hanging from a tree. Cut to black, and then fade in Sydney. Yeah. Sydney is kind of chilling in her room uh her boyfriend shows up uh causing her to kind of scream which brings her dad which it really kind of sucks to learn that her dad is going out of town on the anniversary of her mother's death like that's a lot be in town for your kids yeah honestly now that you mentioned that i've honestly never thought about that but you're yeah that's right that's a lot that's that is a lot. Not yet. Again, the definition of absent yet overprotective. Yeah. Where he he like he's running through all the things of like making sure that she remembers. Like, yes, I'm leaving you money. Making sure you know where I'm staying. Where where like where I'm gonna be at all times. When I'm coming home. When I'm leaving. Everything. And yet he is the still like the act of him, the act of him leaving at the time of her of. You know, at the time of her, of the anniversary of her death is, is, it speaks volumes. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's, it's the first anniversary. It's not even like it's been 10 years or anything like that. It's the first one. So Billy gives his first red flag, which is that he starts talking about how they used to be heading towards, essentially heading towards having sex. And now she's pulled away and, um. He just was kind of feeling horny and was out and about. Spoiler, he was out killing people, but, you know, whatever. That's why he was horny. I mean, I was going to say that was how, this is how he's getting his sexual release, but really we both just sound like a Criminal Minds episode with that, so. (laughs) 
Um, is that such a bad thing? I don't know, man. <laughs> I will admit, Criminal Minds is is a guilty pleasure. Oh, I don't have guilty pleasures. It it is a it is a show it is I a watch that it, but it's a lot. It is it so much of it is highly inaccurate, and yet it is still very enjoyable to yes. watch. So yeah, the next day. Going to school, all the circus media. Cindy sat next to Casey or near Casey in class, and everybody's getting called and to talk to the police. Uh, the principal is there, which is good because they are underage, so you have to have an adult present. This does drive me nuts in media, but also like they're the minors are perfectly within their rights to be like, no, I'd rather have my parents. It's a lot. It's a lot. But everybody knows who she is because of who her mother is. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, so we got the police chief, and and Dewey's there. So we get yes. like we get the so like right before that we had the introduction of Tatum. Tatum shows up and like explains to Sydney like what what happened the previous night, what happened to Casey and Steve. Uh, and then later in the we have the interview with Principal Hem- Hembry, the sheriff, and Dewey, uh, the dutiful uh, sheriff's deputy. They're taking his notes, yeah. and uh, and and from and right and straight from there, we have the the lunch scene with where we're all where we have everyone that we're introduced to, and we're also introduced to Stu and a character we have yet to we have yet to talk about, Randy. Oh, Randy. Oh, Randy. Good old Jamie Kennedy. Love hate relationship with Randy. Randy is a borderline um, incel. Let's be honest. I'll, I'll let's let's go with this. At the time when I watched the movie, I wanted to grow up to be Randy. That's fair. as I got old. As I got older, I was afraid I was going to become Randy. That's totally fair. And now, now that I'm, and now at the that the age I'm at, I have now come to the realization that I am the person that Randy wishes he could be. That's good. Yeah. He never got to be though. <sighs> Unfortunately not. Um, Yeah, so Randy is kind of that annoying friend. Um, We get some weird vibes from Stu, who, I mean, let's be real. Matthew Lillard is killing it. He is just... (laughs) Fair. Um, (laughs) But, like, he is just so fucking charming. And also, I want him to stay at least six feet away from me at all times. Yeah, it's like I want you. I like I want you to to like come hold me, but at the same time, please go stay in your car and don't look at me. Yes, yes. Sydney asks, "How do you gut someone?" And he is way too quick to respond. There's a lot of looks between uh, Stu and Billy. Like the more you rewatch it, the more they just get so flirtatious. Like I didn't like I didn't kill anybody. No one ever said you did. Thanks, buddy. Please stop, guys. So, or also my favorite insult. Hey, it's called tact, you fuckrag. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sydney goes back to her house while Tatum goes to deal with some stuff. Then to pick up Sydney, who's going to stay at the Riley house for the night. Uh, Sydney mm-hmm. takes a nap and then uh, gets her own first phone call. Um, yeah, for, like first she gets the call from Riley from. Um, Right from Tatum, Tatum saying like, "Hey, sorry, I'm gonna be late. Picking up a video. I'll be right there." And then I think there's like a five second beat, and then the phone rings. Yeah, she thinks that she thinks it's Randy. Um, she is also really badass at handling this. Like, I I don't know. Did they don't really talk about the phone calls that Casey got? 
Uh, they probably weren't released, honestly. Um, but she's just kind of like, this is fucking ridiculous. Can you see me now? What am I doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then she is attacked. Yeah. So based on the fact that she's attacked and then Billy shows up, I think it's Stu in her house because someone is in her house. Yeah. I, mm, you know, I, I, I do think that it was, it was Stu who attacked her and then Billy was just like lying in wait. Yes. Yes. But alas, Billy is caught because he has a cell phone on him. Um, They check Billy's cell phone records, which they say repeatedly. We are going to check your cell phone records. We are going to check Billy's cell phone records. Nobody says we are going to check the records of the cell phone you have on you. But he is at the sheriff's station for the night. Mm -hmm. Yeah, can we... I want to go back and talk about Sydney's phone call. Yeah. And I love love how it like ebbs and flows in uh and how and how she's uh re- like how she's feeling and reacting to the phone call and that it starts off joking like jokey and she you know like here's it as a stranger then immediately thinks it's randy and then when he says like when he's like uh like guess where i am i'm uh, like your front porch and she's like the music is telling us holy shit because like we as the audience know like oh god he can he could be out there and absolutely come in and and, and attack her yeah. but that's not at all what she's thinking she's like why would you be outside my house that's fucking weird and and she's like all right and she just says cool i call your bluff and just walks outside and is just yelling out and she immediately just like okay it's still randy and you think she even though he already said i'm not randy uh but the moment it changes for her is when he says you hang up me you hang up on me and i'm gonna kill you just like your mother yeah or or you're gonna die just like your mother and that's when she realizes oh shit there's something going. this is for real yeah She's also starting her, to kind of yeah. second guess the her home, like what happened with her mother, just because like this is weird. It's been a weird year. Um, Cotton's story hasn't changed, uh, and now this happens. She punches Gail in the face. Well deserved. Yes, yes. Gail also has a new cameraman, Kenny, who doesn't have much personality outside of the fact that he's a cameraman. And yeah. Like, I like him. Kenny's cool. Like he seems is. nice. Yeah, I mean he's cool. Yeah, he's pretty chill. He seems like someone. He like, seems like a, a, like someone like I would like randomly see at a bar, and we would just like not like do kind of like the sup to each yeah. other, and that was it. Yeah, he's played by W. Earl Brown. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. So yeah, she essentially gets punched. I can't remember exactly what she says to get punched. The the, the conversation the conversation goes uh like like Tatum tries to pull her away and like it's like uh like si- like sitting sitting like you were attacked how like how are you and Tim's like she's not answering anything and Sydney's like no 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 like she's just doing her job right and she's like yeah like how's the uh, how's the book going it's going well oh, oh I'll yeah. buy one and sit and Gil goes I'll send you a copy bam yeah uh, and every time Tatum reenacts it uh when they're yeah. back at the uh, Riley like, house I'll send you a copy. Bam. I'll send you a copy. Bam, bitch went down. Um, I'll send you a copy. Bam, Sid, super bitch. <laughs> Rose McGowan is so good at this movie. I don't know if she's actually openly like decried or you know regretted being in it, but I love her character in it. Yeah, I yeah we, we you know unfortunately we all know the the awful history she has with uh the the producers of this movie uh who can fuck off right to hell. Yeah, that's fair. Where I they, didn't where think they about that. I forgot about that. My bad. 
Yeah. Uh, so, something we, 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 yeah, we, 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 I guess we do have to at least mention in, in us discussing this franchise is that four of the five movies were produced by uh, everyone's favorite production company, the Weinstein oh. Company. Yeah. Originally Miramax. Fun. The Weinsteins can fuck right off and 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 go to hell exactly where they deserve. We don't we we hate them. We don't condone them at all. And Rose McGowan unfortunately has terrible history with them. Uh, yes. So my dumb ass is speaking without thinking. <laughs> so yeah. So while they are at the Riley house, uh, someone calls. Uh, Sydney hopes it's her dad because at this point nobody's been really able to get a hold of him. Uh, he is yeah. not at very suspicious. At the hotel where he said he was going to be, even though he, like, triple-checked to make sure she has the information. Um, Mm -hmm. And it turns out it is the killer calling her mm-hmm. look if you if you when you watch it something i didn't I've, I've never noticed but was pointed out to me but pointed out to me by the by the commentary track they they make sure to have dewey stay off screen just long enough to where he doesn't come out of his bedroom until the phone call ends oh yeah yeah I- because like because at the time when this movie comes out, i was like no literally everyone is a suspect yes even Dewey is a suspect. Yes. Yes, Dewey. Like, we look back on hindsight and we're like, no, no way, not Dewey. Yeah. Not not our not our wonderful Dewey. No, and he bounds out, you know, without pants on, with holding a gun and like, yeah, I mean, he could have easily <laughs> had made this phone call. Um, I always forget how suspicious he's supposed to look. So for, again, some reason, Cindy decides to fucking go to school. I guess, I mean, you know, it's 1996. There's not really the internet and in the way that there is now. I think at this point, let's see, I would have been eight when 96. So I don't remember what I would have been doing on the internet. Probably still looking at Nickelodeon sites. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, But for some reason, she decides to go to school uh, where... Almost immediately, she fucking runs into Billy. In the best, like, Skeet Ulrich moment that, like, Riverdale... Like, this is the look that Riverdale ga- gives Jughead when they do the flashback episode um, to the 90s. Minus the cast that he has in Riverdale. But again, red flag number two for Billy! He's just such a shithead. He just he just completely dismisses the fact that, you know, her mom is dead. It's, my mom's gone too. Yeah, bitch, and she could come back. Yeah, she was, she's like, like your, like, your mom is out there somewhere and mine's six feet under in a coffin. Fuck you. Yeah, like. I think she, I think her, like, her, her, like, her beautiful like closing line to their to their argument is like I'm sorry that my tra- that like tra- like my traumatic like the traumatic events in my life uh, are inconvenience to your perfect existence. Yes, yes. Just that entire line was just like chef's ki- like this is like this is some fucking writing. Like Sydney bounces back and forth between this like really badass competent character and then still being like. <sighs> But I should also just like have sex with him because like I guess he's earned it. No, Sydney, <laughs> trust the red flags. Trust Tatum, cause Tatum's saying that shit too. As she, like she yeah. says later, like uh, Billy and his penis don't deserve you. Yes, yeah. yes, listen to Tatum. Yes. Um, at this point, suspicion has shifted to Neil Prescott, Sydney's father, because all of these ominous phone calls have been traced to his. 
phone. That being said, Sydney um, has this confrontation with Billy, runs into the bathroom, and the scene happens that I can only imagine, and I always think about, like, how did this go? Because it's clearly Stu in the bathroom, standing on the toilet, sitting on the toilet with his feet up, who fucking knows? But Sydney runs in, goes into a stall, is crying, having a panic attack. Then a cheerleader and a preppy, nerdy kind of girl, like that's kind of the vibe, come in, comes in, who's like clearly just trying to ride the coattails of this cheerleader. And they start bitching about her. Like, who the fuck does this? No, honestly, the, the way I read the the other the the non cheerleader girl in this in this scene, it seems like she like she's like the like you're like she is the friend who did ride the coattails, but she's clearly the smarter one. Or oh or, yeah, she's or, like, definitely more... like a like a straight a nerdy girl. Like she is dealing with this friendship or has this friendship just to keep from like getting picked on kind of thing. Yeah, because like. Like I, I love that moment of like, where do you get this shit? And she's like, Ricky, like Ricky Lake, and she's like you're, like you're fucking pathetic. And then <laughs> just straight up calls her pathetic. Walks out in the exact same manner that the cheerleader does. Yeah. And then yeah, that Sydney, who should have just fucking come out, man. I like, it, I would have just busted out if this had ever happened. Like, who the fuck does that? Say that to it my remi- face. It reminds me of. Uh, of the scene early on in Booksmart when Beanie Feldstein's character, um, oh gosh, there's Amy and Molly. Her name is Molly. Uh, she's like her and her and her best friend Amy are like the like ultimate straight A students possible, and uh, they have like a a co-ed restroom in this high school. So there are two guys and a girl uh, who are also using the restroom while Molly's in the stall, and they all like start like are all saying something and then it leads to them shit talking molly and then she just walks out of the stall and starts washing her hands and they all look over and then immediately go silent i just like that is exactly what you should do like what is someone gonna do they're gonna realize that they're being fucking awful but it's fine it's fine it's fine yeah it also i feel like that kind of like that kind of discussion that was there that was happening there is also occasionally i feel like is also like not all discussions but are like some people in some discussions on like true crime reddit threads oh yeah like they're like they're like those people lurk in on like true crime blogs and are fucking pieces of shit and and like need to like and just need to shut up oh yeah so lost my train of thought oh so she's in the bathroom and you could hear just the like whisper um that is very clearly matthew lillard's voice in my opinion <laughs> just like sydney and of course like it's it's almost as, as if they're trying to make her feel like she's going crazy but he chases mm-hmm. her and she takes off into the hall Um, she does a straight like she does like the slide under the arm thing that that was like i saw that was like you you're you're taking lessons at some you took lessons at some point you you took like you took like some like some like i don't know judo or or karate karate lessons at some point 
when you were a child and they just stuck with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, part of the reason that Sydney doesn't get, like, severely injured at her house is because she has figured out how to, like, lock her door so that nobody can get in. Like, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised that given how her mother died, she has definitely spent a chunk of her time trying to make sure it never happens to her. So school gets suspended in part because of the murders. I think it's also, I mean, if she reported that this happened and the fact that there are other guys running around with these fucking masks on, the whole town also goes into a curfew um, because yay, spree killers. Which curfew apparently is code to teen for party. Yeah, didn't you know that? I mean, like, that's that's how it worked. That's how it worked in my small town. But the funny thing is, it's a party that definitely got shut down by curfew. That's the thing that always makes me laugh, is that most people are gone by curfew. So Stu decides to throw this party. Tatum and Sydney are on food duty we have a moment where someone is wearing the fucking scream costume in the grocery store totally billy you think so i was about to say do you think it's one of the boys because i think it's just a fucking idiot but that's well it may be i don't know they 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 got they got their costume taken away that's fair but there is a point where dewey's like it's ever in every nickel and dime shop so yeah yeah you're right it could just be like someone just just like it's like some shithead just lurking in the background being like oh i'm i'm stuck in the creep i'm stuck in the girl whatever yeah bullshit who knows yeah and then i think right after that we get uh like that and actually that, that's i think it's like right around like right after that we get the scene with dewey and the sheriff saying like the phone records are from are from neil the dad yeah. keep it like you know don't like don't do anything like don't like say anything to her just keep an eye on her uh dewey's eating ice cream it's 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 really adorable watching him eat ice cream it is in fact it, now it really now, is. now i want ice cream. now i want ice cream we then cut back to the school principal Again, the Fonz, uh, Henry Winkler, who is yeah. has been lecturing these shitheads about um, wearing this costume in school, uh, is wearing it in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> I love Scares it so himself. He just kind of puts it out. He's like, he just does the, oh. <laughs> he looks out in the hall, and we have the Wes Craven cameo. As Fred, as in Freddy Cougar, the school janitor. Um, which which I believe Craven did say that was the original costume. Like, they actually oh, got it. the original yeah. costume out of storage and, and just he just wore it. I believe it. Um, <laughs> Calls the Fonz a prick under his breath. <laughs> yeah, and then um, he's murdered. Um, yeah fairly and we get that we we get that great shot of like the go of like the mask being reflected in the in the eye yes yes um, great death scene henry winkler knows how to die <laughs> just not in real life please not yet we, we yeah, i can't my heart can't my, my heart my heart can't take it like please give us like 10 more years um, just go just go live your life fishing please yeah we then cut to the local video store the local not blockbuster store that is fairly busy because again curfew over town we have billy flirting away with some other girls while Stu chats with randy who god randy is randy 
kind of a dick, but also at times kind. He is right. Yeah. He he was right all along. It's like would you yeah. like? It's it's totally Billy. Yeah. No. He's like it's a hundred percent Billy. It's stupid that they don't think so. Here's all the reasons that or movies that they should watch. Um, he even calls Stu out for being uh, Billy's lapdog um, boyfriend. We're going to go with boyfriend. Yeah, he calls him out. Um, but then he ruins it by being like, do you think Cindy would date me? And I'm sorry, Randy. No. 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 You know. Because I need to have a shot with her. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Because I will do her makeup and she will and she will look even hotter. Billy gets like super creepy. So creepy. Like grabbing on like he like he does like the villain thing of just like grabbing under his shirt and it's like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Yeah, it's it's a bit much. Yeah. And they do and like they do the same uh like blocking of of like when you have that shot that over the shoulder shot of like of Randy uh with Stu right behind him. It's that same blocking of Stu behind Billy later in the movie yes. when they're when they're like full on killer mode. <laughs> and then we get Stu's wonderful murder house. They're watching a bunch of Jamie Lee Curtis movies. She is the scream queen. She is the scream queen. She's got a set of lungs on her. Tits. <laughs> Dewey and Gail show up uninvited. Yeah. Gail puts a camera in the living room. And Dewey, for some fucking reason, lets all these teenagers drink. Yeah, okay. I. What the fuck? Yeah, it's it's real. It, it's like, dude, you're like, should not be. Like, no one should be a cop, uh, but you should definitely not be a cop. Yeah, it's really weird. Because, like, I, re- I remember a story, not gonna name any names, I remember a story from my senior year, I remember a time my senior year, I woke up one Saturday morning and uh, at, at a friend's house and my friend woke up and he's like, dude, so-and-so just died. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Like, yeah, there was a party last night, apparently they died of alcohol poisoning. Oh, Jesus. From doing, from doing a keg stand. And I'm like, and like, like, and, and I'm like, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. While Dewey and Gale have entered the house, Stu sends Tatum to go get beer. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the wonderfully critical Tatum death scene. She is getting the beer. She flirts with the killer. I'm fairly certain it's it's Stu, right? Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's got it's got to be Stu. Like... He sent her there, unless he sent her there for Billy to kill her. Yeah, it, I mean there there is a there is a good chance it could have been Billy, like like with Stu just like Stu like Stu like making his rounds as the host, and then Bill so then and then giving time for Billy to kill her, get out of the garb, then he can show up at the front door to meet Sydney. So it could have been Billy, but I still see I still think Stu it was Stu. So according to IMDb, and this is just based on tracking movement, uh, the killer was unknown initially, as both Billy and Stu are accounted for at the time that, uh, of her death, so it could be either of them. But Skeet Ulrich has confirmed that it was Billy. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? Skeet proved me wrong. Yeah. I do know, the, like, because like the one time I do know it was, it was definitely Billy was when he was creeping up behind Randy. When Randy's oh, yeah. alone watching the movie, because that was the one time that that uh, Skeet Orge actually got to be in the yeah. costume. 
So outside of that, I'm pulling everything out of my ass. Tatum is killed by the essentially with the garage door uh, in a way that has, of course, yeah. been proven time and time again. It is an iconic death at this point. My friend is actually she's throwing a Wes Craven Halloween party, and this is one of the decorations she's going to have. Well, I think I have travel plans. <laughs> uh, Shit. Uh, it is. I can't where she lives right now yeah we'll hash up the details later I'll I'll, I'll 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 make sure i save up enough money for gas <laughs> she puts up a good fight though oh yeah she like uh they even talked about how uh, uh craven williamson ta- or craven specifically he talked about the the stunt the stunt person in 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 costume like when she threw the 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 bottle like at the at his crotch it like it was like like that was like the first time it was like she caught him dead on where where he was supposed to where where she was supposed to hit him so oh yeah yeah she yeah like like both rose mcgowan and tatum are kicking ass in this oh, scene yeah. my, fa- my 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 favorite gag is still the uh like her like not like knocking him down with the freezer door oh yeah yeah like straight like some straight up scooby-doo shit just <laughs> punk so Gail, while wandering the house at this point, she's put it in. She's gone back to her van. Uh, they've set up a time. I think it's like a thirty-second delay. Um, yeah, like that. Yeah, like the the, the camera kind of skits out, and so they they just kind of assume it's like yeah, probably like, like thirty seconds, probably. Yeah. yeah. And she goes back to continue to hang out with Dewey while Kenny watches this 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 recording this this live feed. Hang out with Dewey. I mean, they go to essentially find Neil's car, right? Yeah, by accident. They yeah. like they're like they're like Dewey's like I gotta I gotta call about a car about a car. Do you want to come check it out with me? And Gail's like I'm in love with you, absolutely. So let's go. Uh, because it is so obvious that they're like so into each other. Yes. Like Gail's like you are like you're you're not like the smartest guy like like you you can be kind of dumb sometimes and make stupid decisions but like you're really sweet and kind and you understand people and like i'm into that and dewey's just like it's gail weather she's hot i'm into this (laughs) that's fair (laughs) and i mean like i can't i can't argue with him it's courtney cox (laughs) she's got highlights too and she's got like she's got like her like her like kind of like sh- her shiny lipstick that she like her her like real shiny glittery like lip gloss going on. Every, everything everything is working great with with yes. Courtney Cox here. Yes, hair and makeup great. did a fantastic job. Yes, we also get the rules of a slasher movie. Um, we get that scene. Yes. Do you remember the rules? I did not make it back to this scene before uh. rule number one you can never have sex Boo! big <laughs> no no big no no number two you cannot drink or do drugs in <clears throat> instant death and number three never say i'm gonna i'm gonna be right back because you won't be back yep and then immediately Stu's like oh, hey, i'm gonna get a beer anybody want one yeah sure i'll be right back <laughs> so this is going on while billy has arrived he and yeah. Sydney are upstairs having sex. She gives this really this line that just makes me cringe almost every time about her life <laughs> being a good porno. And I'm like, you know what? That is the most like 
teenage line ever, but also, man, Nev Campbell, you deserve better. That is like the one. Look, here's the thing. That I'm Ke- like, I feel no, like Kevin. I, I, I feel like Kevin Williamson was writing that line. He was like, "This is a terrible line. It's gonna work so well in the movie." No, it doesn't. Cringe. I don't give a fuck. I still love that line because you know what? It is cringy, and you know what? Teenagers are fucking cringy as hell. Agreed. Agreed. As a former teenage teenage dirtbag. So, yeah, they're having sex. Also, Stu is getting really comfortable with someone who is clearly not Tatum on the couch because, again, Tatum's dead. I suggested again, like, what the fuck? You guys were not even trying to hide it. <laughs> um, and he says he'll go be right back. Because where is he going? Probably to be creepy and, like, watch them have sex before he then goes to kill Billy, right? Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, so, also, again, not something I noticed until it was pointed out to me on the commentary track, but Wes Craven talked about, like, when he was shooting the scene of Billy and, and, Sid, and Sid talking about their relationship apparently skeet over like when when he when he called cut skeet roll came on he's like did you notice when i looked over like when i when that moment when i looked over to where Stu is eventually gonna come out and, at- and attack and attack me because like he's like basically he's like at all times he is playing billy in the mode of in the in killer mode he's like ne- like he like all like any time that he is acting like the 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 like loving boyfriend it is all a a ruse uh, is like skeet Ulrich is playing billy as um, playing billy the murderer playing billy the loving boyfriend he's so good at it he's such a creepy motherfucker and it turns out to be just such one of the best riverdale dads yeah so i really do need to watch riverdale <laughs> he uh sydney starts talking about how she's like hey uh who did you call with your one call and he's like oh i called my dad and he's like no she i'm sorry she goes no the sheriff did i watched him do it and he's like what you still don't trust me again sydney the fucking red flags and then Stu comes in and it, it does a murder or so it looks like it is corn quote zero. unquote he did a murderer. <laughs> she tries to climb out the window uh, and then lands on like a boat, which is when she realizes yeah. Tatum is dead. Yeah. And then she keeps run like she runs through the field, goes through like climbs through a fit like a wooden fence uh all the while like Dewey and gail like they because all the kids oh also like the like i love the the fact that like they didn't like kevin Williamson didn't know how to get all the kids away out of the party oh, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. it could just be the main characters so when they when they decided let's kill the principal he's like oh wait that's how i get all the kids away from the party principal's dead principal's hung up on, from the goalposts on the football field yes. so all the kids rush rush out of there because they want to see him before they before they cut him down which of course is like all teenage shitheads yes they would yeah teenage it's shitheads awful. would fucking do that type it's of so that awful. that that awful crap they would do that yeah. so they so like Dewey and gail like they you know almost get run over so they tumble off into the into the into the grass and they finally kiss it's about Yay. damn time yeah you, you were making puppy do- you were making puppy dog puppy dog eyes for like the past half hour it's about that time chemistry is uh, amazing yeah uh it's it, it it's very apparent. It's like, yes, you, like, you, this isn't just chemistry. You two are in love with each other. Yes. <laughs> and um, they, and they, and they find Neil, they find Neil Prescott's car and they're like, shit, so, Neil somewhere. So, so, yeah. So Sydney is outside running around. Kenny is watching as a very drunk Jamie 
somehow avoids death by, I guess, being just that pathetic. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it, it, I feel like Billy's just like, I, they must have you know what? A plan from that moment on for him. But yeah, yeah. So that is confirmed Billy because you said that that's yeah. Skeet Aldrich. Okay. Billy's just like, no, not right now. Not right now. So like, I'll, do, I'll deal with you later. So Billy opens the door, but it's Stu that kills Kenny. Um, like, it's a super bloody, because, like, they try to get away with that camp, that, that van, and it, like, gushes blood down. Poor Kenny. They killed Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, they killed Kenny. <laughs> oh, his throat is just so slashed. So this is where we have to deal with Sydney has to deal with is it Randy or is it Stu? And she makes the best decision, which is fuck both of you. And shuts the door, holding yep. the gun still. And then we find out Billy's not dead. Yeah, a, a an injured <sighs> injured, quote unquote, Billy falls down the stairs. Yeah. God, Billy's doing some great acting here. Skeet's doing great acting, but Billy's doing some great acting, too. The We all go a little mad sometimes, and God, that is a creepy we get We get genuinely one of the... We get genuinely the greatest twist of all time. Yes. Billy opens the door, allows Randy inside. Billy shoots Randy, making... Again, proving that... Fuck... Poor Sydney. Has the red flags were there. Yep. You were just dealing with, you know, a lot of trauma. Yeah. It is corn syrup. And then she turns and finds Stu in that best moment where she just is like hoping for help. And he just lifts that voice box to his mouth and just, hello. Surprise, Sydney. Yes. Uh, and then we learn that Billy and Stu killed Sydney's mom. Uh, yep. And the so something, so something we haven't, yeah, like, yeah, this is a lot, just a lot piled onto her. And it's like, well, fuck. Uh, so my boy, my my boyfriend has not only killed a bunch of people with his best friend, uh, he also killed my mom. That means that I sent an innocent man to death row. Like, like, and that's yeah. probably like the last thing on her mind. But it's like definitely something that she's gonna be. That she definitely thought about like yeah. after after the initial shock. Oh, yeah, I mean, she helps Cotton get off death row. But, yeah, so the reason that they killed Sydney's mom is because apparently, like, she was not happy in her marriage and having multiple affairs, including Billy's dad, Hank. Um, and that is why his parents got divorced. Yeah, and this is actually, so this is something that uh, I, 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 shared this, I shared this with you. At the time of this recording, the most recent issue of Fangoria magazine had a great article uh, from Stephen Graham Jones in his Slasher Nation series called What We Talk About When We Talk About Scream. And in it, he talked about the the motivation that uh, of Billy in Scream and that he has a more literary influenced uh, motivation to kill people. And that like a lot of classic slashers like have... They they have moment like their like their moment for their motivation for murder is like it's like okay like I understand why you want to kill all these teenagers but like it's still not right at all. Uh, where yeah. you look at like for like you look at like Pamela Voorhees like 
yeah, like, you should not be murdering camp counselors who had nothing to do with your son's death, but, like, I get it. You have trauma. I get it. Or the or in the burning Cropsy, like, I, like he almost gets burned alive as part of a prank. So, you know, him killing people with, with you know, with hedge clippers. I mean, like, yeah, you're wrong, but I get it. With Billy, it's like, my mom left the house. Yeah. So now I want to do, mur- so now I want to do murder. Yeah, it's more of an excuse or like the straw that broke the camera's camera the camel's back because like as someone whose mother's been divorced twice i can understand their rage i don't understand the entire murder spree other than just trying to ruin the prescott name i guess but i don't know i i still stick with the idea of like he's dealing with the fact that he's in love with his best friend and this is the way yeah that they have to deal with that and like okay uh but yeah the plan is revealed uh as randy states uh sydney's dad makes a uh, final real appearance they are planning on murdering sydney and her father and then making it look like a murder suicide um and as if her dad had gone on the spree and that billy and Stu are the only ones to survive they get to stay on and plan the sequel yeah. as they say uh and then we get the best scenes like matthew lillard is like fucking acting his heart out in this and it's just occasionally my sister and i will just turn to each other slash send each other's texts because we're now on the opposite sides of the country i'm just like i feel a little woozy billy <laughs> because like the stabbing and then the like did you really call the police police you bet your sorry ass i did my mom and dad are me so mad at me it's just so well done or i love the like and a, a apparently an improv moment he's like um houston we have a problem yes the gun the gun is gone <laughs> and then gail popping up looking like a raccoon just like just just like made a meal out of her out of her head yes and she just comes in and he's like i think you say she was dead she looked dead still does <laughs> we yeah they you know gail sorry lost my train of thought Sydney stabs Billy with an umbrella and then Stu comes back like I, S- Sydney kills both of them at the end of the day yeah now now I want to ask you do you subscribe to the theory that Stu's not actually dead I don't know I don't know I haven't dug far into that theory because there was because the, the original plan was to bring Stu back for the second movie. He was supposed to be a killer in the second movie. He gets a TV dropped on his head and electrocuted. Like that's not something you easily return from. But he could be. He could just be Jigsaw the, uh, from from fair. from Punisher. <sighs> I don't know. In theory, and Matthew Lewis, Matthew Lewis, like has said in recent interviews that like he still holds out hope that he'll get to come back. God, if he wants to come back, then fine. Yes, yes. <laughs> Stu is still fucking Stu is alive, alive, waiting and biding his time. Yeah, we- I think we should. I think we can say this is this is Schroding this is Schrodinger stew. <laughs> Randy is revealed to still be alive. Uh, he credits to the fact that he's still a virgin. And then we... No, just bad shooting on Billy's part. We also have Dewey, who is shot earlier and is like, 
outs for the count and realistically the reason for that is because they were going to kill dewey um and then that didn't test well which makes sense because Dewey's yeah. so fucking great yeah um, no all that like he shows he's got he got he has a fucking knife in his back oh yeah yeah randy gives his final rule of law which is that uh, uh all killers come back for one last scare uh, Billy does open his eyes for that, and uh, Sydney fucking murders him again. Uh, gets a bull in the head. Uh, she gets that great, that great, that great like action movie line. Not in my movie. <laughs> Just uh, like Sydney has become an action star. Yes, yes, she wears Final Girl well, um, and and you know we'll talk in a minute about where we we see the our last three. Uh, but we get our final jump scare, which is Sydney's dad coming out of the closet, uh, still <laughs> Which is great. And then and her, I, I love her turn from, like, I am a stone-cold badass to, like, I have to help my dad. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Where do our big three end? Let, tell me. So, I, I, I don't want to go in reverse order and leave Sid for last. Okay. So, so Gail. Gail is the last one we actually see. She is completely disheveled and has gone through hell. Not as much as Sydney, but has still gone through hell that night. And, like, has lost... Kenny is gone and but she but she's like but I mean she's like has that attitude of but the show must go on is even more like is she is like like locked in gear of this is like this is now like my story I am covering all aspects of it I will be the expert on this and you know she it definitely seems as though that there is the there is like the potential for growth, but I actually, I feel like she is the character that she, like she is the one who like her and Dewey, I feel are the ones who changed the least from beginning to end. Yes. Of the three of them, they're the ones who changed the least. Cause like Gail is still very much Gail Weathers by the end of this movie with maybe a smidge more empathy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. She's still out to get the final. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, and then Dewey, like he's wheeled away, and he's wheeled away to the hospital, and where he was last time we saw him before he got stabbed when he was with Gail. It's like by that point in the story, he is like he is he is you know like coming more into his own as as a protector, the protector that we that we continue to see throughout the franchise. Yeah, but he's still he's still Dewey. Like Dewey is still Dewey. Like he's like he's gonna he's gonna be who he is, and he's still gonna he's still gonna trip up. He's still gonna he's still gonna fail fail at times. But he's he's ultimately gonna going to do the right thing no matter what. He has also been stabbed. He is gonna have to deal with some some quite a bit of physical healing for a while, and like yeah yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, and then Sydney. Yeah, we're Sydney. Dear Sydney, so at the beginning she was only dealing with the trauma of of her mother's gruesome murder, and now she's dealing with the fact that her boyfriend and his best friend, uh, aka his boyfriend, went on a total murder spree that started with the murder of her her mother and ultimately led her to send it to like helping send an innocent man to death row. On top of all just the crazy shit that she has seen throughout these past, literally fucking, like, two days. Like, two days. Yeah. Two 
fucking days. I think it's like, yeah, so, a little over maybe 50 hours in total. Yeah, like, I would say that, like, she, like, it definitely seemed like over the past year, she probably been going, like, maybe not going, like, straight up to a a therapist, but, like, seeing a counselor. Oh, yeah. They've only seen a counselor before this. By the end of the story, <laughs> there, there is a therapist out there somewhere who is getting well paid. <laughs> That's fair. And there's also, there's definitely also another therapist who is also handling Neil. Because Neil, Neil went through some shit, too. I mean, yeah. man, man got kidnapped and tied up and, uh, and almost framed for murder. Yeah. All because of something his wife did. Which realistically, yeah. did, she did not deserve to die for that. No, not at all. It's it the the age old you know punishment did not fit the crime. Yeah, because like yeah sh- yeah yes she she broke her vows and 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 you know cheated on yeah. her husband like it's a shitty thing to do but yeah you know like don't fucking murder people yeah. over that shit. Also, want to point out really quick, Linda Blair does have a cameo in this. Yes, she does. I forgot to make. I didn't yeah. want to mention that one. She has the great line of, "How does it feel to be almost almost brutally butchered?" Yes. They have a right to know. To know. And I also find it funny, um, the cheerleader in the bathroom, anytime, uh, I mean, her name is Leonora uh, Skelf- Skelfo. She was Skeet Ulrich, one of Skeet Ulrich's girlfriends is how it's referred to. Um, but that's how she got the, the part, which just huh. makes me laugh. But yeah, uh, overall, I still fucking love this movie. I love the yeah. meta of it. Um, it's, Odd point, but still very subtle, especially for how it gets later in the series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anybody else you wanted to shout out casting-wise? I want to shout out uh, Kevin Patrick Wells, who plays Stephen Orff, who is the first one to die. Kevin Patrick Wells is great, I, I, but I did not first see him in this movie. I first saw him as Officer Krieger in the first Blade movie. Nice. <laughs> so, a shout out to Kevin Patrick Wells. Gosh. Also, shout out to the, I can't remember his name, but the actor who plays the sheriff, who was also a deputy in A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I mean, so Wes so Wes Craven just like, he just said like, I like to think that he, that like, he just like, was tired of the terrible shit that happened in, uh, in, on Elm Street, and then just moved to Northern California to a small town to get away from it. you know that Elm Street takes place in Woods. It's it's Woodsboro. Well, yes, there isn't there. Is, yes, she does live on Elm Street, but like. Uh, but it's Joseph Whip that played the actor. Yes, Joseph Whip. Thank you. But Craven did. But Wes Craven did say that it didn't take place in Woodsboro. Also, to leave Schreiber, who uh, just kind of has like a oh quick, yeah, like oh yeah, I like I cannot Hawk wait. Weary. I cannot wait to get in more more into Liev Schreiber because yeah. uh, like because I like I remember seeing him when I first watched this movie and I was like wait a minute he's a big he's a big deal like he's an act like he's an actor that I fucking know what is he doing just popping up in news footage for <laughs> literally five seconds yep a grand total I counted five seconds and of course a quick shout out to Roger L Jackson who does the actual ghost face voice. Yes, they and uh, oh, and I, I also I want to leave. I I, I kind of I want to get before we get to the to the very ending of this. I want to leave the story that Craven told about the opening of the movie. So like they they shot the opening with Drew Barrymore over 
the course of five days. And so, of course, like, Drew Barrymore, like, has to dig in, dig deep into the bowels of misery to get to, to get where she is for that character. And she is crying and screaming for a lot of it. And Wes Craven talked about the way that that would happen was that, uh, she got really vulnerable with him. And, and because he like, just asked her like, what was like, what are some like, like traumatic, th- like what, like some, it was something traumatic that you're willing to share with me or something that you, that, that, that has happened. And she said that one of the worst things she ever read was a newspaper article about an, the trigger warning for uh animal for animal death an owner who set their dog on fire oh, jesus okay yeah and she read she read this story so anytime west craven needed her to to like get to that that state he would just say drew i'm lighting the lighter and then she would immediately start crying Whew, that's a lot yeah and he's like he's like i only like and he's like the thing about west craven and like we're gonna be getting more into the we're, we're gonna be talking about west craven so much throughout throughout this show like west craven is notorious is like well known as like w- he was well known as an extremely nice man oh yeah like yeah. one of the nicest people so like him telling that story it seems like he even says he's like it and he's like i was extremely great like i was like grateful to drew that like she felt comfortable sharing that with me yeah and it's like there's there is a there is a massive level of trust between a director and an actor and that and and like when, when it comes to vulnerability so the fact that drew barrymore was comfortable enough sharing that type of story with him just goes to show the type of person that Wes craven was yeah r.i.p we still miss you dude <sighs> I'm just glad that he went on a, on a high note. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week to talk about Scream 2. See you next week. Bye-bye. This has been Screaming in Woodsboro from J.D. Martin and Meg Griffin. You can follow both of us on Twitter at jd underscore martin underscore and at meg griffin that is meg with two g's also we have other podcasts i have comics quest which you can follow at comics quest show and fables and reflections with angela bones bullock which you can follow at f and r pod as and spelled out meg also has the shows judging book covers that is at jbc podcast and there's also once upon a time a monster of the week which you can follow at O-U-A-M-O-T-W pod. Thank you so much to Nikki Berger for the incredible artwork. You can follow her at Double Burger. That is Burger with two E's, no U. And also thank you to Brett Eagleston for the music in the intro and outro of the show. Please check his music out at bretteagleston.bandcamp.com. Again, this is Screaming in Woodsboro. Thank you so much for listening. Good night.